0: This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name is Annalise, and I'm an exercise physiologist and nutritionist.
1: And my name is Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist.
0: And today we welcome back one of our favorite guests. Thank you, Carissa Fish.
2: <laughs> welcome back. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back on the podcast.
0: Well, we are happy to have you back because you are our mindfulness, self compassion expert. I try and
2: uh, we we teach what we need to learn. So I'm passionate about these topics because I
0: need them. Oh, isn't that the truth? Uh-huh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So if you are not familiar with Carissa, she is a lifestyle educator here at Positive Choice. She is also a wellness coach and has a master's degree in mind-body medicine, as well as a bachelor's degree in biopsychology. How cool is that? Yeah,
2: I got really lucky with what I got to study. I've never
1: even heard of biopsychology.
2: (laughs) Uh, The true story is that I, as a a freshman, I couldn't decide if I wanted to major in biology or psychology, and they happened to have a major that squished them together. And I said, I will do that one, please. And then the more I learned about physical health and mental health and how they work together uh, is the path I've taken
0: here. And we are so lucky that you did. Thank you so much. (laughs) And today we're gonna talk about a really good topic, which is self-compassion. Yes, I am excited to talk about this with you, ladies. What I, I don't know if we should start with the what or the why. Mm. Let's start with the why. Why should we Why should we practice self-compassion? Why shouldn't I just tear myself down, mm-hmm. hoping that that will motivate me to become the person I want to become? Okay. <laughs> This
2: is where I get on a soapbox. Um, OK, so everything I'm pulling from here uh, primarily comes from research done by Dr. Kristen Neff. So I want to give her credit. She's, I'm, everything I'm talking about is her work. Um, and she has done amazing, amazing research on many aspects of this. But most recently, so she has a book called Self-Compassion. She just published one called Fierce Self-Compassion. And I was listening to a podcast where she was talking about it. And she put into words exactly what you're talking about in a way that made me understand it for maybe the first time. So we have this belief that we have to be self-critical or we'll never get anything done. Right? We have to kick our own butts and force ourselves to do whatever the thing is. That can work for a little while. So you're not wrong. Um, Pushing yourself in that way can helpful for a minute but long term it actually completely gets in the way of behavior change because we're terrified to try new things because we're terrified to fail because we know we're going to beat ourselves up so fiercely if we do that and so it actually pushes us towards um, perfectionism paralysis we don't even want to try and we just get stuck is
1: that kind of like when you have so much on your plate you just take a nap
2: precise yes exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) There's so much on our emotional plate that we just bail. On the other hand, and I'm sort of giving the snapshot here, we can like dig into it more. Um, self-compassion actually does motivate change. And we can come back to this topic of, of self-compassion versus self-indulgence, because I think that's the other piece where people get tripped up. Um, but the idea is that self-compassion, we're, we're willing to try new stuff because we know that if it doesn't work, We're just gonna take that as a learning opportunity and try something else. If I set a commitment to start meal prepping every week and then I don't do it, the self-criticism approach is just, oh, how can you, you can never, blah, blah, blah. Self-compassion goes, oh, okay, so that didn't work. I wonder why, do we need to try some other stuff? Do we need to have, you know, is that just never gonna work? Do I need more structure around it? Um, And then we just kind of get up and keep going rather
0: than being paralyzed. I, I just had like such an aha moment. Right? That's yes. why I love talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> because that something that I have been noticing with myself is this barrier hesitancy mm. of doing my normal healthy behaviors. Hmm. And it it's it's that's what it is. It's that feeling of like, no, you haven't been doing this and you've been failing at this, so now you're trying to do it again and what... Why, I guess, is the message right. that's going on behind it. But it comes up as like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, this yes. resistance. Exactly. Because, and why
2: would you? If the voice in your head is essentially bullying you, why would you want to <laughs> do anything? Um, you know, it's it's hard to, to make progress when someone's beating you up all the time. And I don't mean to <laughs> criticize anyone for self-criticizing because I think, I mean... We could do a whole episode about where that comes from. I think we kind of all know where that uh, comes from in each of our individual lives, but um, so it's natural. So don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Generally, not helpful. <laughs> but if you could start to notice the behavior and start to shift it, it can be a really, really good skill to pick up.
1: I think we kind of talked a little bit about this in one of another episode we had, where um, you know we we talked about kind of treating yourself like you would treat like a kid, right? Like a little kid, you don't beat them up for something they do wrong. Why would you beat yourself up? And we, we, I I know we talked about this not that long ago. Yes.
2: And that's exactly it. And so that, that segues really nicely into (laughs) this thing about self-indulgence. So I think one of the misconceptions about, uh, excuse me, self-compassion is, you know, well, if I'm nice to myself, I'm just going to go off the rails. Like I'll, I'll let myself do anything and then I'm going to be wildly unhealthy. And again, quoting Kristen Neff here, she shared this metaphor in one of her articles that self-compassion is similar to the love of a good parent or a good friend. And so if your kid comes home and they tell you that they're failing math class, you would never, we hope, say, oh, you dumb kid. Look at you failing at all the, right?
0: Well, unfortunately, just to pause there, yeah. if you're ever wondering where your critical voice came well, from, yeah. it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Someone when you were a kid was hard on you and your brain goes, oh, let's repeat that for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the peop- you,
2: that's what you saw modeled, right? Maybe you saw your caregivers being harsh with themselves. But, so, but neither do you say, like, whatever, man, math doesn't matter. Go play a video game. And, like, I think that's what people are afraid is going to happen if they practice self-compassion. It's actually the middle road where you start with, oh, man, you're failing. That must be so frustrating for you. That's hard. Okay, let's talk about it. do you need a tutor? Do you want, you know, do we need more structure around this? That's what self-compassion looks like. So self compassion doesn't mean like go ahead girl eat all the ice cream.
1: <laughs> Sometimes it does. I mean that's you know it's it's so funny because I guess in a sense I kind of teach this because I always when I teach my healthy balance class I always say I'm like you know you can have like three fun things a week go enjoy something mm-hmm. like tell yourself it's okay go have something fun, and then the back of and this is me in the back of my head yeah. going. I hope people aren't going, oh, I'll go off the rails because right. I think about it every time I say it. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that you're bringing it up because like that's something I'm like, I wonder if people are reacting differently to what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Well, and again, it's it's that middle path,
2: that moderation path, which sometimes is actually harder than the black and white. But we know from our own lives and and we see with our members that the black and white doesn't go anywhere because. You get so overwhelmed, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm ready to get healthy, and so that means I have to drink all of the water, and all of the vegetables, and go for walks, and meditate, and da 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 and you do it for like four days, and then it's too much, and you give up, <laughs> and so having that, like, okay, what feels doable to me, how can I start, is, is a better uh, way to go about it.
1: Well, okay, so, like, that's, that's an interesting point that you're making, kind of, where can I start? Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, I, I do teach that a lot. I just find it so funny. You have different verbiage for, like, the same yes, concepts that totally. I'm teaching. But, um, you know, that's the whole thing. I think that's the most valuable of that, rather than thinking about what you are, are incapable of doing or thinking about all the things you have to do. Maybe just focus on the easiest ones first that are more yes. doable to you. Especially when you're in a state of overwhelm. Right. We
2: just talked about motivation in my in my class the other night. And when you're on a roll, go for it. you know, do do shoot for the moon, whatever the thing might be. Um, but when you're feeling like it's hard to just even get started, pick the easiest thing and
0: then maybe even make it easier. I'm kind of I'm getting um kind of a comparison in my mind mm-hmm. of so two things. So I have a friend who has a child who's about three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, fearful Mm -hmm. I also have a dog that is fearful (laughs) and (laughs) what is interesting with uh dealing with you know both the dog and the child is that if you are pushing Mm. them or forcing them to do something that they are fearful of you get lots of pushback and crying and screaming and I'm not going right so um you know, both with with dealing with both of them. The strategy is always it's okay. Like yes. you you can come check it out, you cannot come check it out. Um, you know, do do you wanna maybe look and then <laughs> like maybe we'll put our 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 foot in the door and check is this Anzi being scared of the outside <laughs> yeah Anzi, Anzi is the scared one and then my friend's kid uh, came over we had a similar situation but when when you're talking about self-compassion and we're talking about this like push 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 i i think about that extreme of like if you're fearful of something you are unlikely to push past those fears. But if you kind of allow yourself to have that compassion and if you feel that way, that's cool. You right. don't have To do anything, you will step forward. That's how you move through the fear. And that's how like I get my dog to move through the fear. That's how we got her kid to move through the fear. It's like, it's cool. But it's you want to come check it out? Right. <laughs> right. And so we can do that
2: with ourselves. Like, hey, I see that you're freaked out by the concept of making this big change. You want to just like
1: look through the door though? You want to just, just peek at it and see, see what we think. It's just the whole, like, just, just, just look, like, look, don't touch. And there's no obligations. Mm -hmm. And I still laugh about honesty in the yard. That's really funny. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, an interesting thing though, I guess with the fear kind of preventing us from moving forward versus like accepting, you know, that maybe the fear is okay. And Mm. Would it, in a sense, be allowing us to kind of take a step back to look at what's causing that fear? Totally, yes. OK,
2: so this is a good um, lead-in to one of the strategies for self-compassion. It applies to a lot of things, but um, it's, so it's the acronym RAIN, which stands for um, recognize what's going on, accept it. So a lot of times, we want to push and be like, well, but I wish this was happening. I wish, OK, but this is what's happening. Um, and then you investigate it non-judgmentally. That's the acronym. So that's exactly what you're talking about is you slow down and you kind of look at it. Uh, so let's say I have been trying to be more consistent with the bedtime and then I look up and it's one in the morning, right? The default response for me would be to, be to kick myself, be like, are you serious? You did this again? What is the matter with you? Blah, blah, blah. If I pause though and I go, oh, at that, it's one in the morning. <laughs> like, I accept that it's one in the morning. And then maybe I can investigate, okay, why did I stay up so late tonight? Maybe I was reading a really good book. Maybe I had, you know, that revenge bedtime procrastination thing, where if you have a crazy day, you want to stay up late and blah, blah, blah. blah. But then non-judgmentally, right, just acknowledging it. And then that gives me data points. Now that I have gone, okay, why did that happen? The next day, if I notice myself walking down that same path, I can go, oh, Maybe I kind of want to pivot off that path instead of again kicking myself about it. so let's let's back up because you you said the why, but let's also go back to the what? So let me give a definition of self-compassion and then I want to talk about um, how it can apply to health behavior change because that's what we talk about here. So as with any abstract concept, there are many ways to define this, but I'm going to go with Dr. Neffs because she's the one that I'm I've been quoting so. Um so she says that there are three components of self-compassion. We have mindfulness of suffering, common humanity, and self-kindness. So I'll walk through these. So the first thing, mindfulness of suffering is just slowing down enough to acknowledge that you're having a hard time. A lot of us don't do this, especially cuz that is not a pleasant emotion, and so we just want to keep rushing, rushing, rushing or you know,
1: binge watching shows or whatever. Well, it's like that you're, you're so frantically overwhelmed. Yes. Everything's overwhelming, even the smallest thing. So just your whole life feels like a spiraling. It's crazy. It's great.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, and even permission. Yes. Like sometimes I don't realize I'm having a hard time because in my mind, it's a constant, well, this is not a big deal. Yes. Yes. Or it shouldn't be a big deal. So you shouldn't be feeling this. So let it go. Yes. And this is a
2: fascinating, uh, dialogue that
0: folks get into, because
2: some people, when they hear the word suffering, they're like, I can't, I don't want to apply the word suffering to me, whatever, being in this annoying traffic. Like That's saved for a big deal. So you can interchange the word if you want, but any, any time that what's happening hurts or is different from what you wish was happening, you get to like pause and acknowledge that that hurts, because it doesn't actually help to just keep shoving through it. So acknowledging that, and then the next piece is the common humanity. And um, so it's interesting, uh, there's a a quiz on this. (laughs) I think it's self-compassion.org, something like that. You can take a quiz, and the, the thing I scored lowest on was common humanity, because I hold myself to a higher standard than everyone else in my life, which I think a lot of us do. And so common humanity is like, hi, yeah, you, this is what we all signed up for. We make mistakes. We forward the wrong email. We, you know, we're late to the thing. There's pain in our lives. Um, you know, sometimes we act like, well, I, excuse me, I signed up for the plan where everything goes right every day forever. What What has gone awry? <laughs> and it's funny because it's ludicrous when you say it out
0: loud. <laughs> what? But I did everything I was supposed to do. Yes. <laughs> what? Well, this makes no sense.
2: Yes. What? it's happening. So acknowledging that like, it's just part of being a person and that it's never just you. And, and that's not to dismiss anyone's challenge, but like, there's kind of nothing new under the sun really. And where this hit home for me, I was actually in a, a class on self-compassion. I had just moved to San Diego from all the way across the country, super homesick, didn't know a soul. And we were doing uh, self-compassion meditation. And they got to this common humanity part. And, and I, they said, you know, imagine you're standing in a room with everyone else who's going through whatever you're going through. And I had this moment of like, oh, <laughs> this is not unique. Like, there are millions of people around the world right now homesick for whatever reason. And again, I was not invalidating my own experience. But it, I actually got the warm and fuzzies, like imagining this community of people who had also just taken a big leap and were going through a thing. Um, so, so recognizing that we're not isolated in our hurt. So mindfulness with suffering, common humanity, and then the last one, self-kindness. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice to yourself about it. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, bail on all your responsibilities and whatever, whatever, although sometimes that's what self-compassion is. Sometimes we just need a day off. Um, but talking to yourself like you talk to a friend, offering yourself and it can feel cheesy the first time you do it but then it's like really nice um to to kind of say you know oh hey you're having a i'm sorry you're having a rough day you know what though i'm so proud of you look at all the stuff you're doing you're going
1: to be fine take
2: a nap if you need a nap you want some tea like (laughs) the way
1: that you would comfort a friend and you know uh with with the self-compassion self-kindness really That's so, so important because I always like to remind folks that if you're being mean to yourself in your own head, you can't get out of your own head. That's you. That is literally you being mean to you and you have to live with you for the rest of your life. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) And uh, because you can't get away from you we do things to numb out. Yes. Like, if you want to know one of the main reasons that people turn to food, alcohol, drugs, mm-hmm. things that take them out, it's because they don't want to be in their own head.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, so if it if it feels too difficult to offer that to yourself, one of the strategies you can do is imagine that a friend is coming to you with the same problem and talk them through it. So let's say uh, you got your calendar wrong and you missed an important meeting at work. If your default is to run down the list of why you're terrible and irresponsible and whatever, imagine a friend coming to you, right? You'd be like, Ooh, that stinks. Sorry. (laughs) That's, that's rough. But you know what? You're, you know, it's, you're normally super on top of stuff. Let, you know, I'm sure we can, whatever. If this is a person, if you are chronically late for everything, a good friend also like, tells you the truth, right? You might tell your friend like, hey buddy, you do this a lot. Do you, you got like a calendar reminder set up, you know what I mean? Like it might be time for a different strategy. So again, we're not letting ourselves off the hook, but it just, it doesn't help to to be so mean to ourselves. Cause again, we, we live in our own head. So like make sure it's a nice place to live as
0: much as you can.
1: For the rest of your life.
0: Yes. I also think when when we're talking about this, going back to where we started this whole discussion of the fear of becoming this like lazy slob Mm -hmm. of a human being. And I think that that in and of itself is such a fallacy. True. Because it's not it's not in our nature Mm. to completely just let life go it's more in our nature to want to feel accomplished, to want to feel special, to want to achieve things. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of who we are as human beings. Um, so kind of that, that idea that, you know, given the chance we would just, you know, become like Wally. not the robot but in the movie where they don't move around they just suck down their meals and their bones have separated from themselves because they're (laughs) just big blobs well you know what that makes me think of
2: is summer vacation as a kid the first week i would be like yes i'm gonna do nothing i'm gonna lie on the couch eat snacks and after like nine days you're like okay i'm bored What's what's there to do? Let me hop on my bike. Let me whatever. Because there's a, there's a period of time, especially if you're burnt out, that you do just want to be a lump on a couch. But you're right. I think many of us we we want to move past that.
1: Yeah, and it, 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 just a lot of things are clicking in my brain. But it's just like you know, if we have those patients who are just trying to lose weight and they're struggling and they're mm-hmm. failing and what they're telling themselves you know, uh, as we were talking about it, I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, you know, their, their fear of weight loss, their fear is to be out of control. Right. I don't want to, like, blow up and, and become massive and huge and have mm. all the, the Wally people. I don't want to have that happen. <laughs> so <laughs> so the thing is, though, it hasn't happened because we have our own checks and balance systems. Right. So like you said with the summer vacation, yeah, you, you're, you're going to not do you, you might do it for a week and going, I don't feel good. I don't do this anymore. Mm. And we, we check ourselves Whether we realize it or not, which I'm I'm connecting these dots in my Mm. brain now. (laughs) Um,
2: So what that's making me think of is another thing that on this podcast this researcher said that both blew my mind and totally clicked for me. So compassion in general is concerned with the alleviation of suffering. So when we feel compassion for another person, we see that they're hurting and we wish that they weren't. So my image is always imagining my niece has scraped her knee, right? And I'm like leaning toward her, I want to, you know, get a bandaid kiss it make it better. Self-compassion is wanting to alleviate our own suffering. And so when we are chronically doing behaviors that cause us to suffer, even if in the moment it feels like it's helping cuz we're numbing out or whatever, but if chronically we're doing behaviors that are damaging our health, they make us not feel good, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the kind of fierce mama bear self-compassion, we can go, "You know what? I don't want this person I love, me." to feel like that anymore. And so I'm going to protect her by taking some actions to make some changes to that. And that makes so much sense to me. Um, I, this idea that it's, it's actually self-compassionate to want to alleviate the suffering of not feeling well all the time. And and again, we can baby step towards that. We don't have to make some big, crazy, drastic change. but um, But starting to head in that direction as an act of self-compassion, because I think the other thing that trips people up is the idea of, uh, Self deprivation as the pathway to getting healthy. And of course, our inner four year old who's being told they can't have the cookie throws a temper tantrum about that, and so it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I, I have, I've had patients with mantras that, you know, things like, I, I, I be true to myself, or, you know, I, I deserve to eat this healthy thing, I deserve to feel better. Those are the people who do really well and, and can follow that pathway.
1: And the verbiage around what you're doing too, which I think in a turn is self-compassion because yeah, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, I can't have that. That's bad. And say, I can have that. I just don't want it right now. Right. So it's not, it's, it's not bad anymore. Now you've changed the entire scenario and you're more compassionate with yourself because you're like, it's just food. Yeah.
2: And I don't, I, maybe I feel good in the moment, but I don't like how I feel chronically when I'm, you know, not eating healthy over a period of time. And maybe, you know, I I was having a conversation actually earlier today with someone who was talking about how they they went from super-duper restrictive to trying to just eat what they wanted, and they did for a, a short period of time. They sort of went bananas and ate whatever, and then they started to feel awful, and then they could make choices based on, you know what, I prefer to not indulge in that because I know I don't feel well later, rather than the world says that food is bad, so I have to not, which then, of course, makes it more enticing.
0: Okay, so on the line of how do we do this in a very practical sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing a lot of affirmations, Mm -hmm. you know, watching our self-talk, all of that kind of stuff. But let's say you are in the thick of it. Mm. You have gotten yourself in a nice little self-destructive pattern <laughs> where you are like constantly using food or constantly using alcohol. Like you're, you're in it. Yeah. You recognize you're in it and you're like, Oh yeah. Like, okay. I, I need to practice some self-compassion and your brain's like, mm, that's nice. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what can we do in, in that moment? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Many possibilities, but the one that comes to mind for me is writing a letter to yourself. So if you can pause, and if you're like really, really in the thick of it, like set a timer for five minutes if you feel like this is going to make you lose your mind. Um, but, but write a letter to yourself, again, as if you're writing a letter to your friend who's going through the same thing. So do not write a self-bullying letter, please. But right, imagine that somebody that you love and care about is struggling with what you're struggling with, and just write and see what happens. Because, Annalise, as you and I have talked about, like the benefits of journaling is it sort of forces you to get your thoughts in order. So especially if your thoughts are just this tornado, it forces you to at least put them into words, um, and and to kind of come at it from okay, let's acknowledge what's going on. I've you know I've I've had a slip up or whatever. Um, but then giving yourself sort of those, those uh, moments of, of self-kindness. Another thing you can do is there are guided self-compassion meditations that will kind of walk you through the steps. Now, sometimes it's hard to get quiet enough to do that if you're, you know, really in a moment of turbulence. Um, and then the, the other thing I would say is see if you can do a kind action for yourself. Like go get a soft blanket make a like have a glass of water you know tiny little but just indicating that you care about yourself taking some kind of nurturing action is a nice way to at least go in that direction even if you're not feeling ready
0: to totally pull yourself out of the spiral yet I love that (laughs) and the the thing about like the blanket really hit me Mm because you know a lot of times people will go for those really comforting foods, like mm. ice cream or something like that. And essentially what they're doing is wrapping themselves right. up in the comfort of having the ice cream. Mm-hmm. But like the blanket could be a nice tactile, totally equally comforting thing to kind of wrap yourself up into. Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: I have one of those weighted blankets and it just, <gasps> oh, it's the I'm best jealous. thing in the world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just you getting a hug the whole time. Yes. you like, I don't want to move. I'll just fall asleep here. It's great. <sighs> It's wonderful. So are there like okay, because we talked about writing a letter mm-hmm. or, you know, finding like a small way to be compassionate for yourself. Are there any other ways you could incorporate self-compassion into your day beyond like journaling or the things that we've already talked about or have we like reached max? That's it. That's all you could do. <laughs> no, we certainly haven't reached max. There are many things.
2: Um, okay. I've got, so, you know, you say that, and then, like, this whole list comes into my mind. So I won't say a thousand things, but I'll say a couple more. Um, One, and this can feel cheesy, I want to acknowledge it, but um, if you, like, rub yourself on the arm or, like, give yourself a hug, that actually releases oxytocin the same as if another person is doing it. Um, so it can feel real weird, but it's like, especially if you're having a really hard day, if you do that, like I'll choke up sometimes. Because it is, it's it's this soothing, comforting thing. I have done this. Yes and it does work. Yes. Yeah. It totally does. Thank you for chiming in with that.
0: Um <laughs> Because I, I heard it too before. Yeah. And then I like started practicing it, and I was like, oh, it does work. It's nice. <laughs> And then sometimes, and
2: and this is if you're very fortunate, if you have trusted people in your life. So I have um, a few friends that I'm in a text chain with, and I can say to them, like, hey, guys, my inner critic is telling me this, this, and this. Can anyone, like, refute that? And then <laughs> and they'll swoop in and be like, okay, here's why that's wrong. Here's what's great about you. Here's the reality of the situation. I understand that that is a unique thing. But if you have a trusted loved one, it's almost like... <laughs> outsourcing the self compassion like having somebody else demonstrate it for you and then try and and pivot and turn that inward but sometimes you need if you're like again if you're really in it and you can't access that part of you although okay so the what that part of you is called is the inner soother that's the opposite of your inner critic and some of us go oh i don't have that but you do because you give it to other people so that think about you know the tone of voice and the words that you use with with your loved ones when they're going through a difficult time and, and see if you can apply it to yourself. And to some extent, it's a little bit of fake it till you make it. It's fine. If it feels cheesy and dumb for a little while, eventually it will click and, and start to feel more sincere and you'll, you'll be able to have a little bit more of that positive self-talk.
0: So much good stuff, Carissa. Mm-hmm. I could talk about this for hours. I, I know, but I feel like we had so many gems. I hope our listeners felt that mm-hmm. way too. Well, unfortunately it's about that time it's
1: about that time
0: so thanks for joining us you guys please like subscribe comment. if you leave us a question we will be happy to touch on it in future sessions future podcasts um carissa also is open for one-on-one mindfulness appointments so if you uh would love to work with carissa directly on some of this stuff oh my gosh one-on-one can just be Mm life-changing because sometimes we pick up things in general discussion but sometimes we need a little bit more like no this is exactly what my thought process is this is exactly what my problem is i need some direction Mm -hmm. and carissa is uh great at that thank you (laughs) So we'll put a link in the uh, comment section or the description. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.